We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Donating fans, welcome to a special edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Brian Driscoll, the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. I am joined today by Josh Payne, the host of the Late Kick Show at CBS Sports. You all have been clamoring for me for a year to get Josh on the show, and we have Josh on the show, and we are going to talk Notre Dame football, college football, whatever our hearts desires for the next little bit. So, Josh, I just want to begin by thanking you for taking the time to uh, come on our show. No, no, I appreciate it. When you hit me up, I said, first off, yes. Secondly, I've always liked um, your branding. So so the Irish Breakdown branding is, I don't know what it is about nailing it on branding, but it's one of those things where if you're scrolling, much less at the website, but if you're at the website, you already got me. But if I'm just scrolling through a social feed, the Irish Breakdown branding, like your personal branding it's always stood out to me. There's yours and there's an account that covers the Atlanta Braves down in Atlanta that has it's like a little animated peach in there. And it's like perfect branding. So I said, absolutely, I'll do it. 
Well, I'll tell my wife that she that you said that because she's the one that designed the logo and she's the one that came up with Irish Breakdown. So uh, we, we, we appreciate that very much, Josh. And, and that's what we're going to do, man. We're going to break some things down today. And, you know, I, I just want to begin with just the latest fervor yep. that has happened about Notre Dame. And, and as I said to Notre Dame fans, guys, this isn't new. This is kind of rinse and repeat every offseason during the slow time. There's something that makes people talk about Notre Dame. So I just want to kind of begin, Josh, with just your thoughts on the most latest, not the the most latest, the latest discussion about Notre Dame, which is this very weird started on first take. And then, of course, everybody has to jump in and pile in about how Notre Dame, one, is irrelevant and two, hasn't won anything. And I've I shared my thoughts, and I want to hear your thoughts on just on, on where this has come from. And then I'll get into, you know, why and all that. But just what was your response when you first heard this, the, the first take? And then, like I said, everybody else kind of decides they want to pile on. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. So you need to understand, and the, the listeners and viewers should understand how this would happen for me. When it happens for you guys, you probably have your your group text or you go over to the Notre Dame boards that you're a part of and everyone sings the same chorus. It's ridiculous. It's laughable. And then you just hate on whoever said the ridiculous thing. I'm from the deep south. 
So I grew up being taught to despise Notre Dame, and I grew up in a social circle of people who think in many ways the same things that, you know, the Stephen A's of the world would espouse. So for a long time, I got taught that. And it's, I'm, I'm not talking like, you know, a Sunday school teacher's beating me over the head with it or anything like that, but I was, I was immersed in that kind of culture. All right, so it really helps that we were able to elevate the show that I do to the level that it is because it's a national show and I'm able to go all across the country and I'm, I've been able to go to several Notre Dame games, been able to see the staff, meet the staff, just interact with folks there several times. But more importantly, when you get over on the media side of things, I've been able to understand the intricacies of being able to do what Notre Dame's done with NBC for a long time. So anyway, when I got to that level, I looked and I said, hold on, I've been hating on Notre Dame my entire life. They're not doing anything I wouldn't have done. They're not living any way that I, as a program, much less as a person, wouldn't want to live if I could afford myself the opportunity to live that way. So that made me totally ostracized from my social circle. They know not to even talk to me about Notre Dame anymore. However, when something like what you're talking about happens and there's a viral clip or there's something said on some kind of national airways, they all send it to me. So when that happens, you guys get mad because it got said. I get mad because it got said. And also, I know I'm going to have to see it in, in mm -hmm. 15 or 20 different individual texts that I'm going to get that day. I thought it was, uh, as you said, predictable, also ridiculous. It's usually a telltale sign that you're relevant when someone's talking about you outside of the season in which you play. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is I do the drill down technique anytime someone wants to come at me about this. So it's very easy to be in a crowd of, of 50 people and people just start throwing barbs at Notre Dame. Um, you got to separate one from the pack, find one individually, get them off to the side and say, what is it specifically? And let them go the route they want to go. If they want to go the overrated route, say, who, what are they rated? First off, what is Notre Dame rated? And they won't have an answer for you. And then you say, well, OK, who are they not beating that they're supposed to beat? Uh, you could choose whatever metric you want to rankings, odds, whatever. Uh, they'll quickly, probably if they have half a decent brain in their in their head, realize uh, they're wrong. They're, they're not overrated. They're actually properly rated. I feel the same about Penn State. People always throw that label at Penn State. And then you realize, no, Penn State is beating who they're supposed to. Uh, they're not at the elite tier one table, but they're also not down here where you claim they are relevancy I don't even bother with arguing with Notre Dame I think that's very obvious but like you said I don't need a calendar to know it's February I just wait for that talk to happen every year and when that talk happens every year it's probably February it never goes away it's ridiculous um what are they like double digit win seasons six out of the last seven years wasn't that what it is yeah and the one exception was nine and four a nine and four season in 2022 Freeman's first year yeah, you know so what 17 I, 18 19 20 21 and 23 so six of the last seven yeah so um I, I get this with Penn State a lot it's the reason I draw a comparison to Notre Dame and Penn State a lot so when someone will say things about a team these days or a coach, seems like you're either elite or you're trash. There's just no in between, which is just it's it's ignorant talk, really ignorant. Um, but then when you start to, you know, when you start to add a little common sense to the room, you realize, no, there's a whole lot of middle ground. There's like a ton of middle ground. Um, when I look at where Notre Dame has been and where they are, there's a big difference in saying they're overrated, uh, et cetera, et cetera, versus, hey, I wish we could just take that one or two final 
rungs up the ladder. I wish we could take one or two steps up. Totally fair. That's a nuanced conversation. You could have it about Notre Dame. I, I've had it about them. I've had it about Penn State. I've had it about uh, Tennessee football in the South. It's totally fair to say that. But I don't. I, I speak in terms of rungs on a ladder because there are usually a lot of them. And I just don't know that much attention is paid at all to the middle seven or eight. It's just the top two and the bottom two, and you're either one or the other. And um, that is not the way to inject smarter discourse into the conversation. That's the thing, Josh. It's impossible to have like a an honest conversation about where Notre Dame is because I think we could have that. We could have the conversation of, and this isn't a point I made in an article I wrote, which because I think the whole thing is just lazy. That's what yeah. I think it is. I think it's like, hey, this sparks emotion. To your point, this this kind of conversation that they had is going to spark a strong emotion on one side or the other, which is why it happens. The Notre Dame side is going to be upset. They're going to keep watching it. They're going to want to talk about it. I tried to avoid it for like a week. And then eventually I was like, okay, I have to address this, right? Be because people wanted me to address it. And then the other side is, yeah, Notre Dame sucks, you know? And and so that that's part of it. But it's it's we should be able to have a conversation, and I do want to get to this to say, okay, where is Notre Dame's place in the college football world? The on-field aspect, because it right. seems to me that people have a, a, a an issue differentiating between the brand and the on-field product. Like I'll, I'll hear people say, you know, Notre Dame, I'll, I'll make this case. Notre Dame has arguably – the biggest brand in college sports, right? And yep. then I'm looking for the argument, the discussion. And the response will always be, well, they haven't won a championship since 1988. I'm like, okay, not at all relevant to the conversation that I'm trying to have. I, th I think that's part of it too, is people don't understand branding. They only look at on-field results. But then my counter to that is, so was Georgia irrelevant in 2020? Because they had gone 40 plus years without winning a title. Was it was Ohio State irrelevant until 2002? Because they had gone 35 years without a title. Is Texas AM irrelevant? Because they haven't won a national championship since before the United States got into World War II. Right. And so, why is this standard, in your opinion, only applied to Notre Dame? Or at least it seems that it's only applied in a national sense to Notre Dame. I, so I don't think it's exclusively applied to them. I think it's largely applied to them because they are the they are the shark in the room. Anytime that conversation comes up, because that branding is big in a way, it, someone admitting that your point is valid because they put the crosshairs on Notre Dame. So that that leads to another um, phrase that I hate. A couple of phrases have popped up in college football and sporting nomenclature that I hate. One of them is a uh, meaningless bowl game, meaningless game, stuff like that. Hate that. But also when you start having these conversations, if I start talking about Notre Dame football, inevitably some voice is going to fly in from the back of the room and yell, but what have they won or, but they haven't won anything. It's the championship or bust mentality. Right. It's um, it's, it's dumb enough in pro sports but in college sports, it's infinitely dumber. There are far more seats at the table. There is far more disparity in have and have not resources. You got asymmetrical boundaries. We call them conferences. Some teams aren't even in a conference. It's all very convoluted. So I am a believer, again, that goes back to the rung system. That goes back to the idea, and I know it may be crazy, but I have this idea that it is possible for you to have accomplished a pretty good deal and not have a championship trophy to show in your trophy case over that time period. And yet you try and have that conversation with folks, some of them, they're mainly anonymous folks on social media platforms. I found, 
And it does not matter. It is, well, what have they won? What have they, well, what they've won is a lot of football games. That, that's what they've won. And so that I used to play this game. I guess I should probably bring this one back. I used to play this game one time where I would give an A-B scenario to someone. And I would say, all right, let's say that I gave you one of two choices. Choice one, uh, you are going to have a guaranteed championship over the next decade. But otherwise, the rest of those nine years are guaranteed to be sub 500. You can have that. Or you can have you're guaranteed to be the current version of yourself. Uh, you're guaranteed to be a very solid program. You're going to be in the hunt every year, but I'm not guaranteeing you a title. Which one do you choose? You would think most people would go with B. Because B, logic tells you, is going to give you multiple shots at it. You're betting on yourself, but maybe you get multiple titles. I, I got buddies who go with A, and it's insane to me. So I maybe maybe they value a guaranteed title more than I do. I don't know what it is, but I always laugh at that conversation. Where do you think – and part of the reason I wanted to bring you on, Josh, is because you, you are a, a Southern guy, and, and you obviously – are around people that will, will be this way more. Why do you think there's so much disdain for Notre Dame in that part of the country? Right. Cause I, I can't speak. I was born and raised in Ohio. I can, I can explain to you why Buckeye fans hate Notre Dame, yeah. but I can't, I mean, the furthest South, I mean, I lived in Florida for a few months and North Carolina for a few months, but I was playing football. I wasn't really worried about what other people thought about it. Why, why is there, and obviously there's different reasons for different people, but generally speaking, why do you think there is the disdain that, that people have for Notre Dame? And it's it's from a fan standpoint, but also from a media standpoint, because I think some people do this to get clicks. But I listen to people. They may be doing it to get clicks, but there's a lot of intensity behind that, that conversation as well. What, why, where do you think that disdain? Because I don't want to I don't think it's as easy as just jealousy. Like I say something. So they hate us because they ain't us. And in some right. ways, there's truth to that, because. They are jealous of the TV contract and the independence, which is a different conversation. But there just seems in some circles there's a lot more to it than just that. Am I wrong? No, 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 no. I just think it's layered. So if you are of my generation and you're in the South and you hate Notre Dame, it's a lot more tied to the disproportionate attention you think they get relative to their accomplishments and also because you don't like that they're not in a conference and you don't like that they have, you know, their own singular representation in the room, whereas everyone else represents a conference. Uh, it may rub you wrong that they get their own NBC deal. I, I just think it's maybe the matter of them having a bunch of independence when we can't have it. I mean, I'm a South Carolina fan. I'm a North Carolina fan. We can't have it. That's that's the we would call it the 30 to 50 generation. There are older folks in the South who may even be old enough to remember like the 66 season when they feel Alabama got screwed out of a spot for a national championship after going back-to-back -back national titles because Notre Dame and Michigan State were in the way, tied, I believe. And then Alabama, it's very important to note, um, kind of has controlled the microphone in the South for a long time. And I know they're good now. There was a little stretch where they weren't good. But they, they were good when a lot of the folks who ended up rising to prominence, whether it be in sports writing or in sports talk or whatnot, were coming up. And so for a long time in the South, Bama has, been, Bama has dwarfed everyone else as the brand and as the entity that sort of writes the history in the South. And so folks, for, folks never forgot that 1966 season. Uh, there were a couple of times where they went up against Notre Dame in the early 70s in bowl games, close games. Notre Dame has it go their way both times. 
And I think they just left such a sour taste in folks' mouths that they also kind of thought there was preferential treatment all along given to sure. Notre Dame. Imagine Alabama folks thinking that. Sure. Yeah, it's that actually <laughs> it's hilarious. Isn't it? yeah. <laughs> so um, I think the older generation had their disdain born through that mechanism. And then it gets ingrained in the younger generation, me included. And then also the younger generation finds their own reasons. But the end result is you got a bunch of folks walking around with torches and pitchforks for Notre Dame and, some of them can explain it. Others just want to yell, but it's there. It is absolutely there. What is the obsession with Notre Dame joining a conference? Because because this is my point, this whole thing, Josh. I think it's just a lack of people understanding history. And and I like if you go back to the 1988 season, the last time Notre Dame won a national championship, here's the list of – here's the top five teams in the country. Notre Dame, number one, Miami, number two, Florida State, number three, Michigan, number four, West Virginia, number five. Four of those five teams were independents. Yeah. The only one that wasn't was Michigan. Syracuse was also an independent. Louisville was an independent. South Carolina was an independent. Pitt was an independent. Rutgers, Penn State, and Boston College, Cincinnati, and Virginia Tech. Those teams chose to leave independence. Like I heard the, one of the dumbest parts of that whole first take response and this is saying something because when you say something that's dumber than what Paul Feinbaum says about Notre Dame and Stephen A. Smith says about Notre Dame you you deserve a prize and that was Christopher Russo's talking about how you know why do they get to be independent what and I'm like that Notre Dame never changed right Notre Dame's just kind of sat in their lane everybody else decided to leave for greener pastures while Notre Dame sat here and said hey we're gonna you know we're gonna we're gonna keep doing what we're doing why is there a this obsession about Notre Dame joining a conference from, from especially in the South? People don't know. People mostly don't even know what you just said. So it was a really good one. I'm probably going to use that a lot. When you read off a list of major teams, major brands, major programs from as recently as late 80s, early 90s, I don't think most people in the room would even remember or even know to begin with that there used to be a lot of this independence that you hate so much. There used to be a lot of that. And just because it started to evaporate, it doesn't mean it was inverted. It doesn't mean everyone, you know, God created the entire sport as everyone being in a conference and they walked away from the conferences. That's not the way it works. I do think there's a lot to be said for um, just like there is in politics. If you're part of a major party or in college football, if you're part of a major conference, with that comes major marketing muscle and major messaging muscle. And so I think they've done a really effective job of messaging Notre Dame is the bad guy over here, uh, never even stopping to mention that, yeah, uh, once upon a time we were there and we walked away from it. And truth be told, would love to still be where they are. It's also important to note, and if you look at it from the Notre Dame perspective for a second, it's important to note a lot of the brands you just mentioned, you mentioned Miami, you mentioned Penn State, you mentioned a lot of these folks. Um, a lot of them joined conferences and now they're in a conference, but it's not the one they originally joined, which just goes to show you how uncertain the landscape of college athletics is. And I don't need to tell anybody, even if you're 10 years old, that that's the truth right now. You just need to turn on the Internet and go anywhere you want to for your news and look at it. So I always draw it back to this. Okay, the, find the maddest person in the room about Notre Dame not being in a conference. And I ask, all right, if you're a Tennessee fan, if I were to afford you all that Notre Dame gets and you also had peace of mind that you had much more control over your fate, 
you turn that down? Is that what you're telling me? And they said, well, of course, of course, no, no, I, I take that. Well, what are you mad about? It seems like you're madder at the University of Tennessee than you are at Notre Dame. It seems like you're a whole lot more angry that you guys didn't forge your own path and find your own way. And I, I've actually had that sort of, like I say, a drill down conversation with folks and I've gotten them to admit, yeah, you're probably right. Here's what's aggravating. I will observe that same person once they're back in a group setting, revert right back to form. Yep. Yep. Because Texas tried this. I mean, this is what the Longhorn yep. Network was all about. It yep. was because it, people forget back then, remember, Notre Dame and Texas got together to convince BYU to stay independent at the or to go independent at the time because Texas was doing a lot of man maneuvering because they wanted to try to say, hey, can you know, if we can go independent, and if Texas can't do it, who can at that point right. in time is kind of the conversation. But the interesting thing, Josh, here's a little bit of fuel if you're going to use that. In the 1980s, so from 80 to 89, there were 10 national champions. In six of those seasons, the champ was an independent. Yep. Miami, Penn State, and Notre Dame. Here's the other part of it. Since leaving independence to join conferences, Penn State and Miami have only won a grand total of one national title. Right, and That was Miami in 2001. Penn State has never been, has not won a national championship since they left to join the Big Ten. Florida State's won two since they since actually were they a, they were a title team in 93 so they won when they right when they left independence and then obviously won again in 99 and, and 13 but like Pitt's never been relevant again since they decided to to leave being independent so it, it is it's the, we're not talking about like the 1940s and 50s here we're talking about the 1980s right. but yeah know, like, and, there was color tv and everything yes exactly recent. exactly i mean the cbs song that we hear today was still being <laughs> used back then right this isn't like ancient times uh, so that that does make a lot of sense. So let's talk, Josh, as, as we as we get wrapping up. I do want to get your thoughts on Notre Dame where it is now, because I, I, I you talk about rungs, I talk about tiers, and where do you see where do you see Notre Dame's place in the college football world now? Just from your opinion, we can kind of put aside some of the silliness we've had that conversation. I want to get your opinion now. Where do you see Notre Dame's place in the college football world right now in regard to being an on-field? I'm going to shift to the on-field part now. Where do you see Notre Dame's place right now as an on-field program? Uh, the second tier of college football. Not They're not far off. I think, um, I think when you look at uh, college football in terms of tiers, uh, it's, it's a lot more helpful. You can do it with programs or you can do it with teams. And Notre Dame, either direction, I'd go tier two right now. And we did this exercise the other night. Now, as you could imagine, it devolved into chaos in the comment section. Sure. But um, again, drill down technique. What are we looking at here? We're looking at stability. I think you've got that with Marcus Freeman. You've also, if you're talking about resources, infinite resources, never have to worry about that. Uh, talent acquisition, I'll get back to in a second. And also on-field results. So the on-field results are there. And I think last year, probably stabilized in some people's minds that, okay, maybe there will be longevity with this staff as opposed to like a Dave Aranda at Baylor that had a big pop season a couple of years ago, but then it's, it's really kind of fallen off a cliff since then. So the on-field and talent acquisition, that's what I think a lot of the attention should be paid and is paid. So I'm really fascinated uh, because where they've lacked is they did not have special perimeter skill last year at receiver. I think it's one of the big questions to watch this spring um, outside of, you know, replacing the tackles and stuff like that. But to to have gone out there and gotten the names at quarterback out of the portal, 
whether they even perform or not, just symbolically getting the names that they did last year or this year with uh, Riley Leonard out of the portal, it's very important because of the message it sends. And the message it sends is that's a destination. That's an option. Now, you don't want to have to do it the way Florida State's done it because, I mean, Mike's had to do it that way for a reason. Notre Dame doesn't have to do it that way. But if you need it, you want to be able to know we can go get premier talent at this position group, especially the wide receiver position group. Um, I always think about that stuff as someone's got to kick the dam in. There, think of it as they're already being a crack. And you want Notre Dame to be a place that premier receiver talent starts to come. It just takes a guy. And this doesn't, this has to happen every few years because you're dealing with 17 year old kids. So you can't say, well, we got so and so in 2012. They don't know who that is. It's that's a that's a little over a decade right. ago. They don't know who that is. So it's got to have happened recently. And you got to you got to continue to do that. But once you do it, Clemson did this. Once you do it once uh, at, at quarterback, Deshaun Watson all of a sudden made Clemson the spot to go for quarterbacks. And that a lot of big time receiver talent down there. Ditto. Once you establish the idea in the recruiting and talent acquisition space that that's a thing to do, then all of a sudden it's like cranking up a little conveyor belt. And a proof of performance is everything. It's everything in media. It's everything in football. And so my point in saying all that is there is skill in having yourself in reach every year. As long as you are putting yourself in reach to be able to take a shot on the field, it may not always turn out your way. Most of the time it won't because it's really hard to win at this level. But as long as you're not mixing five and sevens in there and you're in the mix every year, it is going to break for you eventually. And when it does, you're going to have a lot of people out there having to explain away yeah. a lot of statements they made that involve the word cannot instead of just have not because those are big time differences and they're right. interchangeable and they shouldn't be. So I think tier two is the answer. Um, upward mobility. It's just you it, You got to take repeated yeah. swings at the tree. That's the key. I mean, you talk about why is Notre Dame considered O-line you and tight end you? Why are they in that conversation? Why do they keep getting top? Because they've proven they can put those guys in the NFL at the highest level. I mean, it's not a coincidence that Notre Dame is having their best safety class right now with Ivan Taylor, who's a top 50 kid, and Ethan Long, and they're recruiting from Jadon Blair, and there's a couple corners. When all of a sudden you've got Kyle Hamilton and Harrison Smith as kind of back-to-back big-time safeties, Alohi Gilman, you start putting guys in the NFL. I, I've explained this with Keon Keeley last year. I mean, Keon Keeley loved Notre Dame was committing forever, and they're like, why would he go somewhere else? Because Alabama has proven they can turn defensive linemen into top 10 picks. Yep. I mean, that's just – it just cycles. You know, it's Will, Will Anderson one year, Dallas turn to the next. It'll be somebody the next year. At the end of the day, this is these young men's chosen major, essentially. Like, would you turn down going to an engineering school that you happen to like their football team growing up? You know, would you turn down the the top engineering school in the country to go to one that, that is down here that hasn't proven that they can produce at your level? Of course you wouldn't, right? And that's ultimately where it comes down to – and I think that's why it is important that Notre Dame continue to produce NFL draft picks. But it's got to start somewhere. Like Ohio State wasn't always this destination place for wide receivers, right? It had to come from somewhere, right? You talk about quarterback. Does Deshaun – it's like this. Does Deshaun Watson go to Clemson if it wasn't for Taj Boyd? Right. Does Trevor Lawrence go to Clemson if it wasn't for Deshaun Watson? You know, that's where those conversations come from. And and so, yes, Notre Dame is kicking down the door, but they're going to have to have that season. And I, I do think there's a window of a couple of years for Marcus Freeman where if you don't make some sort of run over the next couple of years, I, I do think you run the risk of saying, well, that's their ceiling. Yeah, because I think they're in that unique place where, you know, Brian Kelly, this is who he was. And you weren't going to go beyond this. You were going to get to the dance, but you weren't going to make that run. It just he just wasn't. 
the dynamic recruiter. Coach Freeman's going to have to show over the next couple of years that they can make that kind of run to get people to say, hey, look, now that final kid here, that Peyton Bowen here, that Keon Keeley here that you you had but lost because they wanted different things, you start to land those kids because you showed, hey, don't go be the next at Bama or the next at Georgia. Come be that legend at Notre Dame because that's what Notre Dame can, can tell kids. Like Lou Holtz won one title, and he's treated like he won seven. Because he did it in Notre Dame, right? I mean, it's just it's it's like that at Texas. I think you win one title at Texas, and you're a, a legend, right? You win one if if Kalen DeBoer wins one at Bama, it's going to be like, well, okay, he got one. Um, he's got six more to go before he catches. You know, it's just a different deal. So I do think there's a window where he's going to have to show. You know, ten and three is nice, and it, like you said, it keeps things rolling. But he's got to show that he can get kind of that really start kicking on the door of of that tier one group, in my opinion. Yeah, and I I think that draws back to something I just said, uh, people say cannot a lot. And as soon as you get a couple of years into your career, Lincoln Riley's this way. He got a, got a couple of cracks in the playoff, didn't win the whole thing. So all of a sudden it becomes, well, Lincoln Riley, you know, a pretty good coach, offensive pinball mind, but he cannot win a title. He cannot win the big one. Ryan Day is a classic example of a guy people talk about like that right now. I was down at Georgia a couple of days ago and had a, a meeting with Kirby. And it's funny in this conversation because Kirby was that. Now, no one says that now because the dude just won can't back. Beat Bama. Right. Can't, can't beat Bama. Right. Can't beat Bama. Right. That's right. Can't win the big one. Can't beat Bama. And that wasn't like a 24, 48, 72-hour conversation. That was several years. Got a couple of cracks at him. Lost. Well, then all of a sudden, he beats him in a title, no less. And then wins another title the next year for good measure. And it's like you're looking around trying to find these people who said cannot because if you cannot, that means you never will, in my mind. And all of a sudden, he realizes, or he makes you realize, it was never cannot. It was simply have not. And with Freeman, or with a number of these guys, there's a lot of cannot mixed into the blender. And really, it's, it's a lot of have not. And the you, you mentioned the point about Holtz, and I don't think that can be overstated enough. Because um, if you're able to properly disseminate that to a kid, and then conversely, you ask them, Hey, name uh, name your favorite players. Who were the coordinators on the 2015 Alabama title team? And you make them realize those titles just kind of run together. They kind of blend in. Whereas, I mean, we, we celebrate this Lou Holtz team every other weekend right. up here. And so if you can be a part of that in the modern era with what social is, with what marketing is, think about what that does for your branding from now until eternity. And think about how special you would be viewed in this place if your part of what returns us to that level. And it works hand in hand because we can't get there without you. So please, right. please be a part of it. It, it, you, it is funny you say that about Georgia. Remember when Clemsoning was a thing? Sure. That wasn't that long ago, sure. right? Well, Clemson can never win the big one. They they always find a way to lose it. Well, guess what? They got the right ingredients and got it done. Uh, so I appreciate that. And, and you, you, your point is correct. I mean, Notre Dame fans can start listen, listing. They know who the O-line coach was on that 88 team. Oh, I mean, there's an award named for him. You know, now yeah, Barry yeah. Alvarez is still a legend. Oh, if only Barry Alvarez would have replaced Lou instead of Bob. Day. We still have those conversations in Notre Dame circles, Josh. So it is kind of funny. And I think ultimately circling back and we'll wrap up with this, Josh. That's why ultimately, if you have the right salesman, this stuff about Notre Dame on ESPN benefits Notre Dame. Right. Yes, it because does. Because they can point the recruits and say, hey, look, there's a reason, you know, that they're this way. They're afraid of us getting to this and to that and those type of things. And ultimately, if you sell it right, and, and that's the nice thing about Notre Dame with Marcus Freeman and Chad Bowden, is they have the right people that can sell it. 
where this they're going to use this. Notre Dame is not upset that ESPN said what they said about him. They're like, okay, good. Keep talking about us. Keep your name, our name in your mouth because we're going to use that to convince kids. Because in the culture today, Josh, a lot of young people, it's been like this for a while. You want to be part of that counterculture, you know? And so it just adds more fuel to the fire. So inadvertently, they're actually, I think, giving Notre Dame more fuel if they use it right. And I have a lot more confidence that Marcus Freeman and Chad Bowden are going to use it right than maybe some of the previous regimes were able to use that. You're talking to someone here who... Um, got the door slammed in his face, trying to go the way of traditional legacy media and had to do it the unconventional route and had to go the, uh, the route of digital media, independent media. And I've, I've experienced a different version of the same thing that Notre Dame's experiencing right now. If you ever start to get a little traction, those boys over there on the legacy side that have been in the same chair for 40 and 50 years, they're really quick to start shouting, nope, don't take that seriously. Don't take this as this is not a serious thing over here. This is not to be paid any attention. And if you find the right advertiser or you find the right person with their hand on the opportunity lever and you sell them on the idea that there's a reason they're squawking at me. There's a reason they're over there talking about folks in, in my field and my vehicle over here. They'll pull the lever for you. That's the exact same way in recruiting. Now, you're right about that. If you get in front of the right guys, assistant coaching hiring is the same way. You get in front of the right guys and you message it the right way. Hey, they're, they're telling you terrible things about that dragon in the cave up there. It's probably because they don't want the dragon to come out of the cave. That's probably the reason they're so focused on that dragon that they claim is irrelevant. They claim, oh, you don't have to worry about him anymore. Well, what are you talking about him so much for? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Well, Josh, this has been great, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. We went a little bit past. Uh, but it was worth it. It was a lot of fun conversation. We'll try to have you back again sometime, man. And and as we kind of get closer to the season and, and preview where Notre Dame is and and dive deep a little bit more in, into the Irish program. But I just wanted to thank you so much for spending the time and and also express to you, I don't know how much you know this, but you are a guy that constantly comes up to me in Notre Dame fan circles because they do respect the fact that you try to keep it real and you try to be honest, give or take. And, and But they are also a little upset that you were right about the Notre Dame-Louisville game. We were kind of all hoping you were wrong on that one. Uh, but hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll be wrong about the next time you think Notre Dame's going to lose. But we do appreciate, you know, it, what you bring to the table and and what you bring to college football. So, Brian, I appreciate, appreciate you saying it. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, we'll talk soon, man. All right.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.